0: Um, but I was thinking about it only yesterday I went into my youngest daughter's bedroom she's 13 and asked this thing I said a minute ago I asked her a question how is she doing because she was she's 13 she doesn't want me around so she <laughs> gave me an answer she gave me an answer which which she was uh, she thought would get rid of me and uh, I hung around and asked another question and she kind of tuned in a bit more to me and then I asked a third question and then she was present in the moment. And I ended up chilling with her for half an hour. Wow. Hanging, hanging Good with for her. You. And the short answer is I hung with my daughter for half an hour. And yeah. it gave me so much joy. Oh, so much joy. Unbelievable. Just Absolutely. hanging. Just hanging. Yep. That's it.
1: In today's episode, I sit down with Matthew Parker. Was a loving dad of three wonderful children. His two daughters, Meg and Emma, and his son, Pasha. He lives in London with his wife, Patricia. Matthew is a global talent acquisition leader at Amazon Prime Video and Studios, and of course, a dear friend of mine. In this episode, Matthew shares how his childhood shaped his passion to be an empathetic, involved dad. He shares the story of how losing his mom shaped him to be a person who wasn't afraid of speaking and acknowledging the difficult realities of life, no matter how difficult they are. He goes on to share his evolution and learning as a father of a child in the autism spectrum and how there is so much work that still needs to be done to remove stigma in our society about children with autism spectrum disorder. We got to discuss this and many more things that were heartwarming to listen to as a fellow dad. So lean back, listen in, and enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Hey, thanks. Thanks for joining this conversation today. Hey, it's my honor. Thank you for inviting me. It's great. I'm looking forward to our chat. Uh, we've been planning this for a while. And as you know, this chat is uh, about just two dads hanging out and discussing, you know, their parenting journey. Um, there's no sort of specific structure. I would love to just hear your story, your perspective. This is a, an attempt for me to try and connect with other fellow dads, uh, both in India and around the world, because sometimes, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the day-to-day and in the journey of parenting, we sometimes forget that we play a big role. And uh, the, mm. my, my goal is to try and share this uh, to our other fellow dads out there. So mm. really, really appreciate you joining this and willing to share your story.
0: I, I love the sentiment, so That's why I was happy to join, of
1: course. Wonderful. Um, so, uh, you know, before we talk about you being a dad, I would love to, i love to start uh, a little bit in the past um, with your childhood, because um, it's always fascinating to me how our childhood, I mean, we we're all children. Now yeah. you and I are still ch- child, child yeah. as if, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so let's start there um, with your childhood. Tell me, I'll paint the picture of uh where you were born and you know a little bit of your childhood and just what has stayed with you about what what do you think about uh, and if you if you can go there
0: and then yeah. We'll there. yeah 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 happy to where i've ended up um after my childhood is in a place where i was really driven to try as all dads are. Uh, but I can only speak to my truth, um, that I was really driven by wanting to create a better life, a more secure life for my children than perhaps I experienced myself. And, and what I mean by that is that my history, you know, and it's it's no more challenging or, or at times than so many others. I appreciate that. But for me, it was a childhood which started in a very best way I can describe it as a very middle class way. My father was in a really good high profile job with a big company. Uh, We lived in a very nice house uh, with a very nice back garden, blah, blah, blah. But underpinning everything was my father starting to suffer from depression and my mother starting to succumb to alcoholism. And that combination came together in a way which then sent their lives off the rails which then led to a succession of steps over the first kind of 10 to 12 years of my life, where things became more challenging, more difficult. And through that period of time, I ended up at about 12, 13, with parents who loved me and were there physically, um, but in every other way, they were absent. So I quickly at that point somehow realized that i I was i was mature enough to to kind of get the concept that if i wanted anything for myself then i needed to get it myself i couldn't rely on my parents in that sense so that sent me off on a journey i lived near a seaside town in west wales a real tourist attraction a real tourist um, attraction which meant that as with any holiday destination town it's always the same it's quiet in winter it's busy in summer so the locals as in every holiday, in every holiday town get used to a life where they work all the hours God sends in the summer and make the proceeds of that last through the winter i know this and i knew it at a very early age because that's what i leaned into at 12 I walked down the road. I went into a local shop and cafe that was in the village that I lived in. They knew me. I said in my 12 year old voice, excuse me, but are you are you looking for any help? They needed someone to wash up. I said, I'll do it. And then spent the next few weeks uh, back and forth every day washing dishes. That then led to me approaching at 13 a, res- a major restaurant um, in the seaside town that I was referring to, which was an incredibly well-known restaurant. Fast forward a few years, people like Richard Harris, the actor, turned up for lunch one day. Wow. President Jimmy Carter went there for lunch when he was on his own. Oh, was post- that popular? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was that well-known. and I, and I And I was known to the owners because years previously, My parents had dropped in there themselves. They, The owners remembered me. So when I rocked up at 13 and said again, excuse me, have you got any work? They said yes, and I ended up becoming a kitchen hand. And then that led to basically me working every single school holiday in the kitchen from 13 to 16, by which point at 16, I was head chef because I was there the longest, I knew the most, et cetera. So, and then it wasn't that long after that I left the town and walked away and started my my life on my own terms at 17. So the short answer to your story is I was very independent for the reasons that I've said at a very early age, which meant I had to do a lot of figuring out of things myself, you know? I think it's probably the way I'd summarize it.
1: Well, first of all, Thanks for sharing that, and I know the beauty and and grace with which you shared the story. Of course, uh, I could still feel the the challenging conditions and some of the heartbreaks and and difficulties that you grew up with. So, first of all, I appreciate you going there, because uh, I uh, I'm sure that no matter how many times you go there, it it doesn't you know somewhere it kind of you know pains a little bit, but. um But it's also equally encouraging to hear your own resilience and your own willingness to kind of take that and go into the uncharted territory and and kind of pursue your future. So that's beautiful. I I get a flavor of
0: how your childhood was. Yeah. And I think I think for me, trying to connect my story to your podcast, what you're trying to do here. Yeah. I think the biggest moment for me was when my mum died. She was, I was 27, she was 51. The last conversation I'd had with her was to disinvite her from my first wedding. It was a bad moment and it was awful and, you know, a uh, lot of anger and for reasons I won't bore you with. Um, but unfortunately, that was the last conversation I had with her. And then I got a phone call to say that she died in her sleep. So oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Hey, we all have our own stories. But the the change in me from a I, I think the biggest thing that informed my parenting style at that moment was the the biggest thing that hit me was up until that point. I had hidden my own reality. I'd grown up with an growing up with an alcoholic mother, drinking on the street, uh, being around that yeah. for years, consumed with embarrassment, with hiding, with people can't know, don't let, shame, don't yeah. shame, don't let people in. Everybody's looking at me, etc. Which then, up until that point at twenty seven, had, had followed me. So it meant that. You know, yes, I I would think people called me friends, but did they really know me? No, because I never let yep. any never let anyone in. You know, that's not wasn't my mo. And then my mother died, and what I really so can I
1: ask you, were, were you a parent already by then,
0: or no, not yet? I? I was a stepdad at that point. Understood. I was sorry, a stepdad. Sorry. So yes, sure is the answer. Yes. But to be specific, yep. a stepdad. Sure, sure. And what I. The biggest sort of awakening in me uh through that experience was this feeling of i had to find purpose out of this this story my mother's story cannot just end here it it cannot and i wanted essentially i've reflected on this and and Where I have come to is a a drive starting at that point to honour the life that my mother would have had. Yeah. Be the person that she, that be something like the person that she would have been, I know in my bones, if the addiction hadn't taken her away. Taken over, yeah. yeah. And that allied with... Speaking to the truth for the first time about her, about the challenges, about everything. And her I remember, struggles I yeah. remember vividly a week later, someone asked me, oh, how are you doing? I'm so sorry to hear about your mum. And in that conversation, I'm finding the words, she was an alcoholic, coming out of my mouth for the first time that I could remember yeah. You you weren't I, even able to say that before. No, she it's, passed, right? No, yeah. it because it's yeah. shameful. It's it's yep. you know, whatever. It, that was my mindset at the time. And then and then that that moment in that moment the other main uh sort of transformation was the was the desire to want to talk about it and get it out there. Something told me that that authenticity that that speaking to the truth however challenging However awkward, however anything, um, is better than uh, the alternative. I'd live the alternative. And yep. So that then led to a change a, a change in me that was uh, was about every person in my life moving to a more authentic version of me. Yeah, which then yep. led to that approach, linking it back to you. This The reason why you want me here is it's, I link that to children. And then that meant that the way I think the way that what I developed in my parenting style was one, a mixture of total understanding and acceptance around challenges which come your way. That's life. It's yep. It's part of growth. It's healthy. It's good, but talking about it, acknowledging it, giving it, giving it light, whatever it is, is the best approach. Because once you let light in, darkness goes away. Yeah. That's And that's at the heart of, of my style that I've ended up with in as life generally, not only as a parent, but, you know, as yeah. a, hopefully as a work colleague, you know, as well
1: yeah i was I was thinking about that you know the moment that everything changed for you about your reality after your mom passed and you know I've had my own losses and one of the things that I have come to understand a lot more you know we are all used to these different stages of grief one of the new stages that has come to light is the is the idea of finding meaning in loss right mm-hmm and it's not just it, your grief doesn't stop with acceptance; it goes much beyond that. Yep. Which is finding meaning, and everything else that you shared was in in service of honoring your mom. Yep. And how that how you made it meaningful. Exactly. So, exactly. Absolutely. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you again for sharing. Um, of course. Um, so if you, if you we can continue on that path, right? And of course you you ended up continuing in your journey as a parent um i would love to take us there mm. and you know listen to you on how what was your experience when you became a dad i know you already had this life experience mm. and now you were wearing a different hat of uh, yep. being a dad first as a stepdad and then you had your own children i'm guessing yep. so yep. if you can talk me through or share you just experience, you know, the, the experience of becoming a dad.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. It's you know, it's it's been a mixture of um, learning how to parent as a step parent, as yeah. well as learning how to parent as whatever the right term is for, for a <laughs> step parent, um, yeah. um, because it's all parenting. But there is, but there is, but there are definitely nuances. There are definitely distinct. Uh, challenges around and, and i think it's around the bonding process with a with a stepchild that's different it takes longer for obvious reasons it's yep. it's it's you're kind of behind behind the mom versus side by side you know yeah. It's yeah so so there are definite differences but but the overall uh approach the overall style is that that I try and work with anyway is is absolutely the same and it it it's what I touched on earlier it's I was having a conversation I'm waffling a little bit as I'm trying to find my words I think what I'll anchor yes. it on is what I'll anchor it on is this someone yesterday was was taught talk- I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and they they talked about um normalized behavior yep and um I reflected on that in the conversation and then we I went back to it and we me and this person had a, a really interesting discussion around what the heck is normal? What the heck Anyways. is normal yeah. behaviour in reality, you know? Am I normal? No? Yes. Are you normal? Yes? No. Yep. And so so it goes on. What the hell is normal? And it's it's actually more a case, in my experience, for what it's worth, is rather it's much more a case of rather than rather than looking at um fitting a child into a box which is labeled normal it's more about creating their own box um with which to present them to the world and let yeah. them step out and find their own way or a platform whatever metaphor you want to use for that distinctiveness and What I'm relating to here is that part of my journey, which I am so thankful for as a parent, is that um, the adaptation, the learning, the understanding of how to support someone with the label of autism. Because my... My stepson is autistic, my oldest daughter is autistic, and it's through my journey with them in particular that I feel most aware of parenting in a way which will scaffold them um, to help them fly versus... Looking over there at what normal is supposed to be, and try and push them accordingly in that direction. That's a uh, yeah. That's a whole t- different space
1: for us to explore. Mm. And thanks for sharing that, Matthew. Of course. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to know, you know, a little bit of your the, the story on how how did you come to know about this? Because I know that it's, you know. Uh, difficult as a parent like you have babies and babies are growing up Mm -hmm. as you rightly said you know no two babies behave in the same way yeah and you as a parent just are watching them grow yeah and and you know you don't know if one is different from the other or you know one's behaving as you said in a in a a way that fits the box yeah so how did that uh, realization come about and how did
0: how was that moment like for you? And uh, if you can just sort of shed some light on that? Yeah, it's it, it was a similar journey to I'm sure most yeah. listening to this um, uh, would say, and that is it's you kind of trip over it, you kind of um, it's a it's a slow, it, it can be a slow realization. One example after another, one indicator after another that "Mm, there's something here which is different than this child over here or what I understand to be over here. And it it comes back to thankfully, I think I was in a good place around this concept already uh, when this came my way of there is no normal. We should accept everybody for what they are, and blah blah blah. So, so when different started to show up in terms of behavior, in in, in you know there are we won't we, I won't turn this into and, and, a, and you're
1: you're already you're already kind of gone through that life experience, right? So your horizons had already become much broader. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're already operating in that
0: lens of acceptance, maybe and maybe, understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Then questioning, right? Yeah, and and this is where my life experience is therefore a blessing, in yes. my eyes. I I I I've not only come to a place of acceptance uh, about it. I've more so come to a place of satisfaction. I suppose is the right word as to what it's equipped me with. I don't think I would have been the dad I am today. If I hadn't gone through that experience, that's to your correct. point, simple as that. So, so how can I be unhappy about that experience? If I, if I like to think of myself as a half decent dad, how the hell can I therefore denigrate? That is right. Um, the path that brought me here, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's beautiful. And that's not that's not brushing it off. That's not pretending it didn't happen. That's not you know looking at it through rose tinted glasses. It's fully accepting of everything that it was but it's simply recognizing that without it i may not have have ended up with the um, behaviors and um mental models that i operate with now yeah but without going into you know too much specific sure, sure. stuff i think for me the biggest lesson if if i was to put anything out there in the world about um acceptance of not normal is that the The worst thing that can happen with, in my experience, with a child who is showing differences, let's call them that, um, in behavior, in whatever it is, the worst thing, the worst possible thing is the parent who refuses to even countenance that there might be something different going on. They don't want to have the child labelled. So, now, as an example, there are, in mine and my wife's experience, there have been many times, many times, where it's quite obvious that within a friend group of our children, there is a child with similar traits that we are now so familiar with, are so obvious to us in terms of behaviour, approach, how things affect them. Just seeing them in action as a friend of our of our child, we we can just say, oh, of course, this person is is. We're all on the spectrum somewhere, but you know, but this person is is obviously neurodiverse. They should have they should have a different approach. They should it should be acknowledged. It should be supported. And instead, the parent won't even countenance the subject won't even they're too afraid of and and it's a fear of i don't want my child labeled i'm i think it will and i think that personally is driven by two things one i don't want my child to be labeled because it'll be more difficult for them in the future which I totally understand. Yeah, it and, comes and, from
1: a good intention, as you say. Yeah,
0: As we say, right? It comes from a good place, yeah. Until it doesn't. Because I right. think the other part of it is embarrassment, frankly. Yes. yeah, And that, that is p- especially so for a dad, to make it relevant to this podcast. Because I get yeah, it. T- yeah, tell me more about it. Like, why do you think so? Because it is so... Hard for us as men to it, part of it is this is this piece around being different, yeah, not wanting to appear different, especially magnified through the lens of our daughter and son because we want them to be the star player in the team. we want them to have this life the that, yeah. that we had in our minds for them, um that. Of course, they'll follow the path that their brothers did or that I did, uh, so on and so forth. And the realisation or the thought that that isn't going to be the case is hard enough, I think, to deal with sometimes. Let, Let alone, as an example, it might be that the child is not only not the star player on the team, but they're the ones who, when the match is underway, are over there, totally disengaged from the game, um, uh, spending time on their own, um, looking up at the sky in a world of their own. And that mindset of, again, embarrassment, different, why aren't they fitting in, etc., all yeah. I think come together to put a block up for men that different is bad. Different is embarrassing. Different, in that scenario, I is, think... Is, is losing yeah. versus winning, right? Yeah. Like, we're so wired to winning yeah. as males, like yeah. social conditioning. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, um, you know, to put it into context, my uh, my kind of dad hero would be... Um, and I'm making this up, but there's enough kind of references on social media that I've seen to know that of this um, kind of approach of a... Uh, A son who uh, might be really uh, keen on, and a young son who might be really keen on um, wearing makeup, on putting uh, uh, nail varnish on, or uh, a son who wasn't at all into a team sport, um, but loved instead playing chess, as an example. Yeah, and my heroes are the dads who lean in completely on that. That's right. So they're the dads who are not afraid to make themselves look foolish if it means looking foolish to join in with whatever it is that their kid actually wants to do and actually enjoys. Like a prime example is of what I'm waffling on about here. I saw something uh, the other day, a short video on TikTok, which was, uh, and it's a fabulous channel, this guy is telling his story as the father of an autistic son. Right? And his son's about 12. And what is, what gives his son more joy than anything which he's, which the dad has fell into, tripped into is his dad joining him when he is stimming the most. Stimming being you know a, a movement of the body that, that as an autistic boy he makes a lot, which is a calming measure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And his dad talks about how in the early days that was super embarrassing. I mean, you know, from his perspective, a kid doesn't do that. That's weird. That's weird. And of course, he's gone on his own journey, totally reconciled now with his son being autistic, What, how that shows up, etc. And the thing and the, the video was showing how the most joyous moment that they have together right now, which is in the boy's bedroom, his dad joining him in stimming, yeah, oh, and... That's beautiful. Yeah, and to music. That's incredible. Uh, and it, thanks for sharing And looking at us. it, looking yeah. at it, it's incredibly awkward. If you look at it through the lens of normal, different, Norm, etc. Yeah. you know? Yeah. If you look at it through the lens of acceptance... Of father-son bonding. Father-son bonding, precisely. Yeah. And um, what is going to give that that boy the greatest chance of um, success in life? Yeah. And it's the strength that will come from that relationship, those moments with his dad. Yeah, more so okay. than being pushed to fit in, like fit
1: in. Over yeah, there. go play, go play football. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fascinating you share that. I had a couple of moments of struggle in my life, honestly. And this is, like, really exactly identical to the example that you shared. Not the steaming, but the nail varnish. Mm. So, you know, um, going back a few years, we were in the holiday, and we have a son and a daughter. Of course, my daughter wanted to put some nail polish, and there comes Neve saying, hey, I want to do this. And, of course, the dad in me, I'm not kidding, I will say, No, you can't do that. Like, just impulsively. Mm -hmm. You don't think even before you say it. just came out of your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it just came out of your mouth. And then, thank God, my wife was there. And she's like, hold on. Why not? And literally, I mean, she wasn't even, you know, leave alone any, we could do it at any age. But he was like four, five, something like that. So Mm -hmm. that stereotype is so deeply wired into you, hammered into you. Then we let let him do it. And then, then the sprinkle in his steps and like the just the joy, the joy in his face was just i would have never ever seen that joy yeah he walked around ran around showing his nail polish and cut to last week you know we were we were in goa again similar situation my i know these are hard stories to tell um same situation now they're 11 and 8 and in the indian beaches you have these like women who you know, want, they come, they'll come? they come and ask, do you want to get a braid done, hair braiding done? And my daughter jumped into it, and she did it, and here goes Neve again. <laughs> I want my, my hair Awesome. Braiding. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. And this time, I must tell you, I was the say, struggle what was a little... Your no, the struggle was a lot less, you know, Perfect. Was a lot more, Perfect. you know... Perfect. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, won't, I won't lie. I won't say that I didn't have a moment of, you know, yeah. hitch... Yeah, so i'm like okay let's just do it like what's the worst thing like yeah. you'll have fun yeah and then um yeah this is just learning it does come with that initial experience of you know it's coming from your wiring
0: yep. before even your conscious mind yep. processes what's going on exactly so. exactly but it, it it's it's the biggest challenge in my opinion it is the biggest challenge for a dad but once once overcome if the same the same drive, the same um, chutzpah that any dad brings to parenting of of wanting the best for their child and uh, doing everything possible to help realise that, yep. once this reconciliation is made in your mind, that still shows up, but in a different way. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you have a... Um, an atypical child rather than spend all your energy, all of this dad drive to drive them to a place of normalcy, to supposedly fit in, to supposedly end up where you want your child to end up. Um, Instead of doing all of that, start with the child. And what does that child need relevant to who they are showing up to be, who the universe has shown them to be, and using that as the platform to then put the dad power behind. So, uh, because then comes all the same things that every dad brings of, of pushing for the best for their child, Getting, yeah, the energy, getting the, the obstacles support, out the yeah. way, all yeah. of that shows up, but in a way that is much more tailored to um, to the child than to, to child society. Our own mental yeah. models um, and I think if, frankly, without sounding too much like an aging hippie, if 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 that was if that was the approach that we all took, we're going to end up in a Star Trek type um model in the future where everyone is equal, everyone's accepting of everyone else, and we all go flying off around space. Yes please, that'll that'll keep me happy. <laughs> That's right. Well I was actually it it was
1: triggering. Um when you're talking about, you know, this the shifting of the the lens from dad's point of view. Mm. I mean we all know no dad will say, No, I do not want my child to realise their potential, right? Mm. Yeah. Like we all want that of course what and and we know the struggles so what are some of the tools that you think they could use because sometimes we know what we want but we don't have the tools right to overcome our own barriers even if it's a mental model if it's a way of thinking so what would be your message to fellow dads who are you know who know who know they want to do right for their children yeah but are struggling with how to break out of their sort
0: Pay, of boundaries and boxing yeah, boxes yeah. rather i think the simple answer which which i is a, is a work in progress for me constantly i um, in no way am i um, an expert at it but the simplest possible answer is for me anyway um, focus on when you talk about potential in the question was the the word potential yep. help your child right. realize its uh, his or her full potential the key for me, the simple key for me, is who who's judging that potential. What what what? Um, when we say the child's potential, seen through whose eyes? Seen yep. through mine, or or, their. or theirs. Yep. Now, what I mean by that is, I might want my son to be captain of Liverpool one day and win the Premier League, etc. But if that's not, if that in no shape or form, realistically is in my child's future, starting with the main tenant of it's not them, (laughs) then (laughs) I start, I I reset my, my starting point and instead truly focus on the child truly understand their strengths their limitations what they are most interested in where their potential really is not through your lens but with what they're equipped with and yep. you know a, a um, an example of this that i'll try and give you is um my eldest daughter, who is uh, 15, who's autistic, who we realized at 10 she was autistic, and we've, we were already familiar with autism prior. So we were able to switch into the different parenting style that you need to have with an autistic child fairly quickly, which I think helped. It reduced a lot of the pressure that was in her own mind and she was experiencing at that point in her life of not being understood, not being. Um, heard, and we luckily managed to get it to a much better place really quickly. That's great. But then we're faced with this situation, you know, and I might have at the time thought that her path was X, and um, but very quickly in accepting that, hang on a minute, Meg's a bit different. Meg Mm -hmm. is interested in things important to her they she has she has certain needs which need to be met to help her on that journey and suddenly you switch from as an example what school do i want meg to go to to what school's the best for megan yeah it's yes, that kind so of such a simple shift yeah. it's it is it's such it, a powerful shift it is it, it's it's yeah. it can be that simple and we were blessed with the fact of of this being um the sort of outcome for megan she went to a school which is an incredibly good school very academic will help her achieve you know some really good, really good uh, qualifications to equip her for what she wants to do, which is to become a genetic researcher um, in her future, etc., etc. But the main thing about this school, the main difference between that and any other strongly academical school, is the true focus that they put on the um, on the holistic care of the child. She yep. is accepted. For all her oddities, for all her different behaviours, everything that she is, um, the way that they um, approach schooling, she ends up, I I think she would say it herself, more times than not, she ends up feeling as though she's wrapped up in a secure blanket, a warm, comforting blanket as she navigates the the school environment, which can yeah. which can be horrendous for her. You know, it can be horrendous for her. You know, an example being overstimulated very easily. So she wears headphones all day around school to reduce the noise, to reduce the outside stimuli. That's perfectly okay. The teachers, the kids, the culture is accepting of kids like Megan who are walking around with headphones on. Just as one quick kind of example um, and yeah. coming back to your
1: question tell me i mean I'm, I'm curious to know that aha moment right just just the difference between what you think is the best cool for her uh or what you think is the best cool rather than what do you think is the best cool for her how easy was it for you to
0: make the shift, where was your wife? Like, how did you? Oh, it, end up with that. Oh, it was. It was mainly my wife, and it was listening to Megan, because in in that situation, that moment where we had to choose schools, we had two choice. She um, she did fantastically well um, in her uh, her end-of-year exams at aged, uh, aged, what, 10, 11, which then resulted in her having choices. And there were some very good schools that she could choose between. One of them was at the bottom of our road, literally at the bottom of our road, okay? Not only was it at the bottom of our road, but it was a school that's known internationally, princes, sheikhs from around the world, uh, send their kids there um it's one of the it's one of the top schools in the country yeah it's just remarkable the other school that she was looking at was a 40 minute drive away so so clearly there is a, oh there. in dad's eyes there's clearly a winner right out of the gate right out of the gate yeah i mean yep. is there a choice to make here no it's the obvious There you go. it's 40 minutes drive yeah it's obvious it's obvious she's going to go to the one yeah. down the road yeah simple thank god um it was my wife who was very persistent in making sure that i was very clear in my own mind that you're on, you're on criteria <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's let's let's um and then the second part is megan went to the normal open day process that goes that happens at every school and immediately instinctively she she grabbed on to that school right out there, i want to go there that's the school for me so we'd have conversations, mainly me. But why, Megan? Not forgetting there's this <laughs> other school right here. But but yep. help me understand what is it exactly? And she couldn't. She could specify some examples, but the overall, the the overall thing was she just knew. She felt she accepted. She, yeah, yeah yep. she knew. She knew, and thank God that that i that i put behind me i put off to one side what i thought the answer should be quite simply yeah. quite frankly it was obvious to me um and of course we went the other we went her way and it and it was the launching pad to how she's uh, succeeded in the what five years since which includes having me dragging her back to the us for a year for work before coming back again to the same school you know, and but she she navigated all of that transition as well as the growth through school, where she's now ended up um, being asked to do a TED talk on autism. She's just been filmed by That's Channel. Amazing. She was chosen by Channel Four for a, as one of six kids from around the country to talk about autism um, with uh, World Aut- Autism Day upcoming, etc. None of that would have happened if yeah. if she listened to dad the traditional yeah. dad uh mental model Mindset. over yeah. where yeah. she goes to school
1: yeah this is profound matthew thanks for sharing it's a it's like there's an analogy right like when you if you need to change the direction of the ship like just by a few inches yeah over a long period of time the ship ends up in a totally different place and and you know at the point it might seem like I mean, it's difficult but it you know it's a small shift and I think mostly dads and you know let's let's keep it just to dads they they won't do that for whatever reason the blockers and this example is and definitely helpful to me to I will pay more attention when I I'm sure I'll come into these moments and decisions this will definitely stay with me uh thanks thanks for sharing that story. of
0: course of course
1: I mean you know, we talked about your wife a little bit tell me how how do you guys partner on this like it's a it's a again an age-old conundrum right yeah of what's your job what's my job how do you i know it's been a while since you've been parenting i think
0: um yeah that's yeah i i i honestly think that for me the lesson i would want that how i would want to pay it forward in terms of um the answer to that is for, as a dad, to be vulnerable enough to not know what you don't know. And how that normally shows up, let's face it, is, and I'm pretty sure this will resonate with you as a fellow dad and as a fellow mom, the easier option is always get behind mom and mom lead the way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah? That's right. Yeah. Yep. And you can do this with... In my experience parenting um parenting a child who uh is atypical who has different needs who has challenges to overcome uh unique to them everything we've talked about it's dead easy It the easiest thing to do as a dad in that moment is step back get behind the mom who will be all over it like a rash instinctively. They will typically have the higher level of empathy, the wherewithal, as as per your example, with your wife and the nail polish, they will more immediately go to a place Tune into
1: the child, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it's dead easy for the dad then, and I've done it in the early days, to put yourself behind the mom and just go trailing behind them. Oh, so now... So what, what, what's the what's the flip side? What's the bad thing about that? <laughs> <laughs> it can work. Absolutely. Absolutely, it can. Kidding. No, no, no. But you're right. You're right. You're right. It can. It can work and it yep. does work. Um, yep. Or rather, it works for the dad. Right. It's the easier route. It's the easier route. And yep. for me, it's about having having the freaking confidence to step out from behind the mom And deal with the tough situations, deal with the tough conversations, be vulnerable, make mistakes. And that way you're letting, it's this thing I said at the beginning, it's letting light in, which then um, warms um, everyone involved in the situation. Most importantly, the child, because they're seeing you reach out yourself seeing you as your own separate person not mom and dad but mom and dad that's right that's that's yeah that's a beautiful
1: sort of visual as well like just step out of from behind the mom and stand next to her and face that moment right yeah it could it could come with a lot of uh, uncertainty and unknown yeah you don't metaphorically right yeah uh, and then facing it and walking that step and learning even if you're stumbling yeah. is, is when it becomes real and I think that the, the children are watching you. Yeah. Yeah. And and what that means like I'm, I'm going back to like I don't know about again you, you and culturally in the UK dads of my generation they had this exact strategy just stay behind follow the mom and life's good, right? Mm-hmm. You you have your newspaper, you have <laughs> your coffee, <laughs> and life's good. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, what that meant was life was good because I had mom to go to, and mom solved all my problems. But it literally meant that I did not get the influence uh, in its full form, right? Good, bad, whatever it is, from one half of my two parents. And to say that that was a complete, you know, childhood experience would be—you'd be remiss because you did not get that influence.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, that's. that's, thank uh, you for sharing. Yeah. Absolutely, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. I know we could go on like this forever, and we're, yes, you know, we're gonna run out of time. But I had a couple of other questions that I wanted to sort of visit with you. One is, you know, um, contemporary world. I think you know a lot of moms and dads are working. Uh, They have work pressures, but culturally, societally, somewhere dads, again, going back to our earlier discussion, somehow dads have had a little bit of slack in not sharing that, uh, the responsibility or the time or whatever you may call at home. Now, the world has of course changed with pandemic. I think a lot of dads have had to face the responsibilities, whether they liked it or not. Uh, I would be curious to know what's, you know, how do you navigate that? Uh, and and what's your message to dads who still think that, well, pandemic has gone, I'm going back to work and, and uh, you know, mom's in charge. It's kind of related to our previous question, but it's more in terms of just balancing between work and how do they factor raising children as an integral part of
0: their overall lives. Um, yeah, I think it's too easy to fall into the trap. And frankly, I think it's laziness. And and, and I've used and and I've fallen into this trap in years gone past for sure. But I think it's too easy and lazy to be less than fully formed about what our responsibility as a dad is. Yes, we have a, we have a responsibility to help provide, not Totally provide, but to help provide for what our family needs, of course. So we need to work in order to do that, of course. Right. But for me, it is laziness uh, and it's a cop out to over focus, to, or rather, too narrowly focus on what our responsibility is as a dad. Yes, in part, it's to provide, of course. But if you expand the word provide beyond material things and include real nurture, real understanding, frankly, time and provide those things as well, that's the provider I want to be. When I think of myself as a provider, it's not just because I provide a half-decent living for my family. It's that I'll... When I die, the question I'm gonna ask myself, I already know this, is gonna be, have I done enough? I'm not gonna be focused on all the things I didn't do. I'm gonna be focused on, is it enough? And something in me tells me that if I've looked through the lens of providing for my children in the way that I'm describing, and I've paid attention to it, and I have provided materially, I've provided emotionally, I've provided, so the list goes on, then I can pass feeling as though I've done enough. I've done enough. I absolutely know if I ask myself that question, just me personally, if I ask myself that question, did I do enough? And I think about providing, Did I have I provided enough for my children? And I look at it through the lens of, what have they materially ended up with um, at the end of my life? They, I could have left them a fortune and it won't matter. It won't be as meaningful for me as as the alternative.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful how you expanded that whole definition of providing because provider comes with that classical definition of money and who's paying the bill. Does. And a lot of times like we it we comes saddled into the that provider role. Mm. Uh, I love the way you expanded that, the scope of that, which is being there. And sometimes, you know, this idea of being there and providing time, like yeah. you said, is profound, mm. right? Sometimes you go to an activity of your child and you're just there, right? You're not doing anything. Yeah. And you're probably asking yourself, well, is, is she getting anything out of it? My experience is oh. that- oh, yeah. It means a hell of
0: a lot oh, to them. it's everything. You're just watch you're seeing you over there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Completely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, you may not be like playing
1: with them or you may not be like performing. You're just standing there and that means the world to them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and the other part of this is that there's an argument, a strong argument and a valid argument to say, well... You know, this is all well and good, but if you work for, uh, if you're in a job where you just can't take that time, you—that is correct. D- we'll change the job. <laughs> Do something <laughs> different. You know, it, it, yeah. it. We have choices to make. We have choices to make, and we are. Yes, there are there are things. It, it's easier said than done. Dependent on our social socio situation, sure. You know, that's I know right. it's a very yep. trite thing for me to say change your job, change your industry. That's not as easy for some as it is for others, but that's correct. but there is truth, I believe in in it in it for every dad as it relates to the simple thing of where do you prior how do you prioritize time? Time can be. You you said it yourself a minute ago. You intimated it yourself a minute ago. Half an hour here watching that show. Five minutes reading here. Truly asking the child how they are, but then following up and asking another question. That's right. And another question. Five minutes. That's all. And those moments are, to your point earlier, um, those moments are the truly... Life altering, life shaping, life determining moments. It isn't the big stuff. The big stuff happens as a result of a million tiny things. That's Uh, right. But we have the opportunity as a dad in moments every day. It's whether we choose them as priorities. Yeah. Thank you. Um,
1: Love this conversation. And maybe I'm, I'm, Greedy. I'm feeling a little greedy to set up one more conversation with you because we could go oh, so I, many places. I, happy, happy um, to, of course, happy to. Yeah, happy to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just been an absolutely um, meaningful and just insightful conversation. The last one hour has been incredible for me.
0: Just as a fellow dad listening. Oh, to you're you. too kind. You're too kind. It's it's, it's <laughs> I I i happy to do this because. Um, of your willingness as a man to show your vulnerability um which is at the heart of this podcast project of yours and you know because of the way you are uh what you're projecting it's again it's this thing of you're opening yourself you're opening yourself uh, and as a result light can come in and if i can be in any way someone who walks through that door that you're opening to add to the shared experiences the message then hey it's my honor believe me to join it's because it because in 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 a critical way um going right back to something i said at the beginning this is honoring my dad and it's honoring the the uh the guy that i know he would have been He would have sat here, been having this conversation, if it wasn't for his challenges. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I I hear you, and part of my journey is
1: exactly the same, which is honoring my dad, which I could not have had the time with. So, it's a way to kind of remember him and also, you know, progress this this journey of uh, us in this generation.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Let's end. Let's end with this. What's the most favourite
0: thing that you do with your kids? Um, it's gonna sound really. It's, <laughs> it's gonna sound really trite. Well, not trite. It, it's gonna sound really um, a real weak answer, I suppose. Um, but I was thinking about it only yesterday. I went into my youngest daughter's bedroom. She's she's thirteen, and uh, and asked this thing I said a minute ago. I asked her a question. How is she doing? I then because she was. She's 13, she doesn't want me around. So she gave me an answer. She gave me an answer which which she was uh she thought would get rid of me. And uh I hung around and asked another question. <laughs> and she kind of tuned in a bit more to me. And then I asked a third question, and then she was present in the moment. And I ended up chilling with her for half an hour. Hanging wow. hanging with Good her. Good for you. And I'm, I, I'm very curious to know what those questions <laughs> were. I would just take that and bottle it and just sell it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. Or rather, I, yeah, of course. No, let, let me change my answer. Yes, I, I, I have those available for download. Uh, if you go to the, no, I, I can't remember. I can't remember. But the, the, the short answer is, it. the short answer is, I hung with my daughter for half an hour and yeah. it gave me so much joy. Uh, so much joy unbelievable Just absolutely. hanging just hanging yep. that's it they just they're, hang. they're nicer than me they're better people than me they <laughs> I can learn from them you know so yeah why wouldn't I no, well, absolutely no. and that's that, that yeah. that's that's the best time of all that's the best time of all. I love it thanks Matthew. Uh, a lot of learnings
1: uh we will I can't wait to share this with uh, our listeners and uh, can't wait to do this again with you. Uh, Happy to a joy and pleasure. Thank you so much. You have a good rest of your day. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks.